Hey everyone, I'm Jason Whistle from It's Not That Bad and There Can Only Be One. You are listening to my weekly mixtape with Brian Colburn. Now, get the big pen out of the cassette. It's time to rock. Welcome to My Weekly Mixtape, a podcast that takes the classic mixtape approach to building a modern playlist. I'm your host, Brian Colburn. Joining me for tonight's collaboration is Jason Whistle, host of the It's Not That Bad and There Can Only Be One podcast, as well as my guest in the show's premiere episode, The Greatest Opening Guitar Riffs. Jason, thank you so much for joining me once again. I feel like in the spirit of the theme of this episode we're about to record, it should almost be like, it's not that bad to Electric Boogaloo. (laughs) Always happy to jump on the show. Thank you so much for bringing me back on. Well, since you're my first repeat guest, I can't ask you what the word mixtape means to you because I've already asked you that. So as a return guest, you get a new question. What's your go-to mixtape genre and why? When I was making mixtapes, like right now, uh, if I'm making mixtapes, I I really have only a couple of, uh, or not mixtapes, but at least playlists on Spotify. I think I have one that's called Amazeballs Tracks, and that's about it. But when I was actually doing mixtapes, I always liked putting together like the slow song compilations. I don't know why. I just always connected to slow songs better, I think, at the time. So I had a lot of very chill mixes on cassette. Very interesting. And you know what's interesting about that is those chill mixtapes, at least when we were growing up, could be a lot of pop stuff. But then you got a lot of those hairband ballads that crossed over into pop radio that really made for interesting mixes because you'd be going from the Poisons and the Warrants and bands like that into whatever the pop ballads were at the time because Top 40 Radio was playing a combination of both of those. Oh, it's the only time you'd ever have a mixtape that would go from Poison to Tori Amos and actually make sense. There you go, 100%. Now tonight, Jason and I will be curating a mixtape that fans of his podcast, It's Not That Bad, will certainly resonate with. And I would go as far as to say that tonight's episode, for the two of us, is a true crossover discussion, as our topic tonight is great songs from bad movies. Now, before we go any further, I want to immediately specify that neither Jason or myself are saying that these movies are bad. In fact, in a lot of these instances, it's quite the contrary. But we're going with Jason's it's not that bad criteria of a bad movie. So Jason, why don't you, as the person who explains this each and every episode on It's Not That Bad, explain to the My Weekly Mixtape listeners what constitutes a quote-unquote bad movie. Well, we kind of go by the Rotten Tomatoes tomatometer, if you will. We kind of joke around over here that if the tomato is green, the movie can be seen. So the rule is if the critic score is under 60%, then we consider that to be quote unquote, unfairly maligned. And that's when we we say that the movie qualifies. So for a lot of these films, and I'm just taking a look at my list that I've prepared of, of, I think I stopped at about 70 songs in preparation for this because I might've gone (laughs) a little extra. Sorry, not sorry. But there's some movies here that are very, very good. 
there's some also some movies here that are very very crap. I'm not, not I'm I'm not gonna sugarcoat this, but even in some of the worst movies, you have some of the best songs. So this is going to be a very interesting film. And I don't know about you, there are songs that I have set aside for movies I have never seen, but the soundtrack got played a lot. Well, as of the last month, because we have been playing out this little mini movie series on my weekly mixtape. The mixtapers have learned that I don't watch a lot of movies. So a lot of these soundtracks fall under that category for me. Now, Jason, using your bad movie criteria there, this was a pretty easy list for me to come up with because apparently a lot of the soundtracks I own and movies I enjoy fall into the it's not that bad category. But I was both happy and disappointed simultaneously. And I'm going to spoil this now. UHF, the classic Weird Al Yankovic movie, did score a 61 on Rotten Tomatoes, which makes it ineligible for tonight's discussion, which is both a blessing and a curse, I guess, if you want to call it that. But it was at least worthy of a shout out on tonight's episode. Well, to that same token as well, seems that we're talking Weird Al Yankovic, Transformers the movie, the animated Uh. movie... Yes. has a slightly over 60% rating, therefore Dare to be Stupid would not actually qualify for this one as well. Well, you had Dare to be Stupid, but the first song I was looking for was Stan Bush, The Touch. And sure <laughs> enough, I went, oh, come on, really? I was I was pretty much ready to reach out to a reviewer and try to get them to go on Rotten Tomatoes and give it a rotten score just to kind of bring it down for the sake of tonight's episode. However, (laughs) I am going to keep this on the straight and narrow, 100% legit and not do that. 60 and under. So let's get down to business. Tonight, as I mentioned, Jason and I will be curating a great songs from Bad Movies mixtape and we'll use the old cassette deck approach, meaning our mixtape will be broken up into two sides, side A and side B. Jason, as my special guest, will begin side A with his first song choice, and then I'll add a song that I feel best follows up his choice. We'll then flip-flop choosing songs until we've mapped out the 10 songs for side A. We'll then give our mixtape a proverbial flip, and we'll map out side B, only this time I'll kick things off with Jason choosing second. Our overall goal for the episode tonight is to craft the best great songs from bad movies mixtape possible through only 20 songs. At the end of the show, you could take our conversation to the next level by visiting the episode page at myweeklymixtape.com to give our final mixtape a listen via the embedded playlist. And finally, if you like what you're hearing on the show, please consider becoming a Patreon mixtaper at patreon.com forward slash myweeklymixtape. And I'd actually like to take a moment now to welcome several new Patreon mixtapers, Mally Hart, Jalen, QueenFan05, and Kevin Seeker, I'd like to personally welcome all of you to the Mixtaper family, and I thank you all for supporting the show, The Extra Mile. And I'll also add, within a week of this episode airing is Kevin Seeker's birthday, so I want to give him a special birthday shout out. Cheers, buddy. Thanks again, and hope you have a great birthday. Now, before we press the record button on this mixtape, some mixtapers chimed in with the song they feel would best kick things off. And I want to start. So, Jason, you and I have some food for thought going into this episode. I mean, I have to add more songs to the list? Yes, exactly. We, As if our lists aren't long enough. <laughs> Kicking things off, 
Patreon mixtaper Cactus Pete chimed in with Lustra's Scotty Doesn't Know from Eurotrip. And then elsewhere on the socials, people who follow me at My Weekly Mixtape on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and now Sproutable all had chime-ins as well. Kenneth Eisenberger chimed in with Irene Cara, The Dream, from DC Cab. Joey Held chimed in with The Eels' Hey Man, Now You're Really Living, from Charlie Bartlett. Sean Faust chimed in with 38 specials, Back to Paradise, from Revenge of the Nerds 2. And I want to jump in and say, I did not take the time to check all of these chime-ins on the Tomatometer prior to this. So if any of these are actually above 60, you pulled one over on me. Great job. (laughs) (laughs) Matt Kennedy from the X Radio X soundtrack chimed in with anything from Meet the Deedles. Jason Spiegel chimed in with Tevin Campbell's Round and Round from Graffiti Bridge. John D. Gregorio from Movie Lovers Unite chimed in with Jim Carrey's Somebody to Love from The Cable Guy. Bob Scott chimed in with John Bon Jovi's Blaze of Glory from Young Guns 2. Justin Fortune chimed in with anything from Blues Brothers 2000. Gnarly Thotep chimed in with Roxette, Almost Unreal, from Super Mario Brothers, the 1993 one, not the new one that's out in theaters, of course. On Repeat Records chimed in with Dan Hartman's I Can Dream About You from Streets of Fire. John Porrible chimed in with Rag and Bone Man, Broken People from Bright. Philip Bergman chimed in with Devo's Are You Ready from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers movie. And Greg Vorab chimed in with anything from the She's the One soundtrack. All right, Jason, now that we've got those chime-ins out in the atmosphere, what song are you kicking off our great songs from Bad Movies Mixtape with? I'm not going to lie. I breathe a massive sigh of relief that I get the first song on this one because there's one song I'm like, oh, please don't scoop me on this. Please. Okay, I get first song. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> and I have to give a shout out to you as well because when listening to your show and when listening to Playlist Wars, as I would be driving along on my commute into downtown Toronto, I'd like to play along with the show. You know, you sit there and try and figure out what the next song would be or, you know, sit there and say, are they going to mention this song? Are they going to mention this song? It's very play alongable. There was an episode of Playlist Wars, and I can't remember off the top of my head which episode it was. Someone mentioned a Letters to Cleo song. And I think the comment was, does Letters to Cleo have any song but what they do for soundtracks? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. (laughs) I'm a big Letters to Cleo fan. But I'm going to go with, and it it does make sense here in a second here, three small words from Josie and the Pussycats, which which has a tomatometer of 53%. Now, if the vocals sound familiar, if you haven't guessed it by now, the vocals are not done by Rachel Lee Cook. That's Kay Hanley from Letters to Cleo. However, the song was also co-written by Adam Duritz from The Counting Crows, the three actresses actually did do backup vocals on this. So did Biff Naked. Nice. You know who Biff Naked is if you're Canadian. But also, if you take a look at the liner notes of the Josie and the Pussycats album, Matthew Sweet is listed as quote unquote unspecified duties. So I'm just going to assume that he was there being awesome for the entire record. But I freaking love that film. That's such a fun film. That's a great film with a great soundtrack. And we've talked about this on the show before. If you are performing music in a movie, but you're not singing it. So let's take out the movie with Lady Gaga and 
Bradley Cooper, A Star is Born, because they actually performed those songs in the movie. But we look at movies like That Thing You Do, Rockstar, where the actors are lip syncing, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? You need to be able to pull that off. It's not just lip syncing because it could be very easily figured out if you're not embodying that singer role. And in Josie and the Pussycats, you actually believe that they're performing the music, which is very important to me watching these movies. Because if it's unbelievable seeing them perform the music, I'm taken out of the role. Well, if I remember correctly, they actually went to, you know, quote unquote, band camp in preparation for this film. So, you know, they learned how to play the instruments. Not that they played the instruments in the studio, but for at least for being on stage. The same thing, the boot camp definitely happened in That Thing You Do. I know Tom Hanks sent the Wonders for a month to learn the instruments because if somebody's just sitting there holding a bass, now you and I are both bass players, and they're just sitting on the G the entire song, you and I know that immediately. But if they're walking around and actually following the notes, you kind of learn to understand that. So it's a big thing to pull off. But besides all of that, Three Small Words is a catchy song, and it was a good movie. But we grew up with Josie and the Pussycat, so I guess at the point that this movie came out, we weren't parents yet. This movie is almost it's over 20 years old now. We were still in our 20s at this point without children, and the nostalgia factor wasn't hitting anywhere. And I feel like it was a missed opportunity that they might have wanted to hold this movie a little longer for it to truly have the parents love it because it's nostalgia and kids love it because it's new, like Super Mario Brothers is doing currently in the box office. The movie's doing gangbusters because us as parents remember it from our childhood and the kids now know it from their childhood. Plus, it's a great movie, but I digress. But I think I think Josie and the Pussycats, rather than be more of a nostalgia factor, I think it was more of a... uh, basically a commentary on the state of boy bands. Cause you know, if you think about the band du jour in the movie, which of course has Seth Green and Brecken Meyer in the group, um, <laughs> you know, it, it really pokes fun at that whole boy band and then taking a rock band and turn it like, it just makes fun of pop radio and basically what makes a popular song. Could not agree more. And now following that up, I feel like you're in kind of a pop range here. So I have a little bit of leeway. And when you think of soundtracks, one of the first names you think of, especially if you go back to the 80s, is Kenny Loggins. And Kenny Loggins has a bunch of killer 80s soundtrack tunes. You think about Footloose. You think about Danger Zone from Top Gun. You think about I'm All Right from Caddyshack. You think about Meet Me Halfway from Over the Top. But... He also performed the theme song to a movie that myself and Gomez from Playlist Wars got to guest on It's Not That Bad all the way back on episode 10. And this movie had a tomatometer. Is that, am I saying that correct? Tomatometer? You're saying it in a way that Rotten Tomatoes can't come after me for, I think. So we're good. <laughs> we're good. <laughs> I don't know if it's tomato meter or tomatometer, however it's pronounced. Uh, let's call the whole thing off. Yeah. <laughs> It got a rating of four and the audience score got a rating of 17. So I'm going really with what is 
pretty much widely considered a bad movie. And I'm going with 1988's Caddyshack 2. And I'm going with Kenny Loggins' Nobody's Fool. Great song. It is a true Kenny Loggins anthem. Unfortunately, the movie didn't do as well as the first one, but I love the fact that he had the lead song in both Caddyshack 1 and Caddyshack 2. Believe it or not, Nobody's Fool is actually a song I love rocking outside of soundtrack playlists. It's a fantastic 80s rock song. So you can't go wrong. You need to have some Kenny Loggins love when we're talking movie soundtracks. And here's my contribution to that. Kenny Loggins, Nobody's Fool from the much maligned Caddyshack 2. Hey, I said it on the episode when you guys were on, and I'll say it again, and I will say it to anyone who listens. I still prefer Caddyshack 2 to the first Caddyshack, because when Caddyshack 2 was on on the movie networks, I was of the age that I was actually able to watch it, and it was funny enough for me at that age to get the joke. So it's more about the fact that that movie was more part of my childhood as opposed to like the first one. So don't at me. Right. Don't at me, but <laughs> so now the question becomes, do I go with a more classic rock vibe or do I go similar to genre of the film? Cause this, this is kind of what I've been looking forward to for this episode. I've, I've been geared up for this one because, you know, I could follow it up with, you know, genre. I could follow it up with era or I could follow it up with movie genre. Yes. <sighs> and I, Oh, I'm tossing up here. You know what? Okay. I'm going to stick. In the decade and in sports, and with a tomatometer of 38% off the Rocky Four soundtrack, I'm going to go with Robert Tepper's No Easy Way Out. Freaking love that song because A, how many montages can you fit into the movie? Yes, admittedly, fewer than Dream a Little Dream, but there's still a ton of montages. So this is when he's, you know, driving the sports car and flashing back to the first three movies because they need to apparently pad the time. But it is an absolutely killer song, like all the way through. And the fact that it was made into, I think it was Bullet for My Valentine that did the remake of that recently. The fact that that slays even now, that song hits hard. It's a fantastic song, and I'm going to be perfectly honest. I'm not the biggest movie buff. So you just blew my mind in the fact that Rocky Four only scored a 34. Like, to me, that song is, from what's for all intents and purposes, an iconic 80s movie. And it's so beloved amongst, especially my generation, I didn't realize it was so trashed in, in the actual rate. I'm sure the, the user score for that's got to be much higher. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But if you take a look at, you know, the original Rockies, you know, there was this underdog story. At this point, Rocky's you know, got everything that he needs. There's the giant robot, which, you know, Polly, I'm pretty sure had an affair with off camera, just the way that he's <laughs> taught, you know, reacting to it. But it, it it's also very raw, raw, uber patriotism in the middle of the Cold War. Like, there's a lot to that film. And of course, it brought us, you know, some of the greatest Dolph Lundgren lines ever. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> it, it, I, I don't know if tonally it was the movie for the time, but in hindsight, it's still, it, well, it's better than Rocky V, but then again, everything's better than Rocky V. Yeah, I have to agree with that. Uh, that you know, Rocky Five. I don't even think had a soundtrack. I, I think they just said "screw it" for that one. To be perfectly honest, and if it did, I don't remember it. Wow. So I'm going to be honest. 
would not have expected a Rocky Four song to make this list. So I'm glad it did. Because also on the Rocky Four soundtrack, which I can't touch now because you have now removed that movie from the list, is Hearts on Fire by John Cafferty. However, however, I could tie it to that because John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band is also known as Eddie and the Cruisers. And in 1989, Eddie and the Cruisers 2, Eddie Lives, was released and flopped in movies faster than you could probably play through the actual movie or soundtrack. It, I don't think it lasted a day in theaters. And on Rotten Tomatoes right now, there's only three ratings and they're all bad. However, apparently that rating averages out to a tomatometer of 34%, but the audience score gives it 72. So I am going with Eddie and the Cruisers 2, Eddie Lives from 1989. And the song is Running Through the Fire from John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. Now, the opening of this movie, I have to ask you this question because you're from Canada and Eddie and the Cruisers, fictionally here, let's just talk hypothetically, he is a world-famous musician who supposedly died, moves to Canada, grows a mustache, and gets a job in construction. So this mustache was the only thing on earth that separated Joe West from Eddie Wilson in that movie. But for some reason, he fooled not only all of Canada, but all of the United States by growing a mustache. The whole world completely didn't recognize him, which was the only part of that movie that I've always <laughs> wondered. So if somebody, a massive star in the U.S. were to pass away and move up to Canada and just grew a mustache, would you recognize <laughs> It's a very good question. I mean, I okay, so so talking realistically here, Canadian radio up here, we have CRTC regulations where it says that a, a certain percentage of the songs that are played on radio have to be Canadian content. So knowing that those CRTC regulations are there means that some American artists don't get played up here. And you see that, too, with terrestrial radio and considering when Eddie and the Cruisers came out, you had bands that were big in certain cities and not so much like a couple states over. You know, the fact that it right. took Triumph to have to go down to, I think it was Texas, in order to be able to get big. The fact that Rush got big in Cleveland really before getting big in Canada, it's a bit of a different scenario. But to the same token, we have bands up here that were huge and barely made any noise south of the border. I'm, the Tragically Hip comes to mind. Yes, they were at Woodstock, I think it was 99 or 94. Yes, they, you know, because Dan Aykroyd got to introduce them, they were on Saturday Night Live. But really, aside from those moments, the Tragically Hip didn't make as much noise, and yet they're considered like the house band up here. So it's possible. It's very possible. All right. So maybe the producers of Eddie and the Cruisers 2 weren't as crazy as I've thought for all these years, because when he shaves his mustache at the end of the movie, all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, Eddie Wilson, you're back. Like it really, the mustache was all his disguise was. Maybe I shouldn't be as shocked that this movie didn't do well in the <laughs> theaters, but overall, realistically, for me personally, at least, I loved it as a kid. It was, it was that pure 80s cheese. And for some reason, the lead guitarist always referred to the band as the band. Man, you're going to be in the band. And it was like, ah, like he, but there was something that was so 
bad it was brilliant about this movie. And I loved it. And I have the Blu-ray with both movies on it. I love watching both of them. I love John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band, whether they are, quote unquote, Eddie and the Cruisers or just John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. But Running Through the Fire is a kick-ass song, especially for 1989. They were still chalking up great hits at that point, and that's definitely one of them. You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was on Eddie and the Cruisers, the song On the Dark Side was on that soundtrack, I think. The first movie, yes, yes. Okay, but then, of course, Corey Taylor did a cover of it recently on his solo album, and that was killer. Yeah, fantastic, absolutely fantastic version. Mm-hmm. Oh, where do I go to next? Okay, so Eddie and the Cruisers was released in 1983. So I think I'm going to go one year later and a movie that actually surprised me, the fact that it qualifies with a 52% tomatometer. And if you were to ask Peter Quill, this is the movie where Kevin Bacon saves the universe through dancing <laughs> off of the movie or the soundtrack for Footloose. I'm actually going to go with holding it for a hero by Bonnie Tyler. Wow. There is absolutely nothing wrong with that song and that soundtrack too. Like, I'm not going to lie that every now and then when we're, we're trying to figure out movies to, to cover for the show, I'm often surprised at some of the movies that actually do qualify footloose. I always consider that to be a paragon of 1984 cinema going doesn't necessarily mean the critics saw it that way, but I mean, are you surprised that a movie like footloose actually qualifies am i surprised dude i literally just called it out at the beginning talking about all the hits that kenny loggins cranked out for good movies and talked about footloose in that three songs ago i am today years old learning that footloose scored under 60 percent on rotten tomatoes i oh i just and again you assume you make an ass out of you i mean i just made an ass out of myself because I assumed there was no way that Footloose was coming in under 60%. Mind blown. Mind blown. Now the interesting thing is, where do you go from here? We've hung in the 80s for a bit. It's hard to pivot out of the 80s when you have this sound going. And I'm scrolling through my list, and I think I'm going to stay in the 80s because I feel like we, we got this vibe going here. And I'm going to move up to one that I know Gomez will applaud. For sure. And I'm going to go to 1987 from a movie that scored 20% on the tomatometer with an audience score of 55%. And that movie is Mannequin. And the song is Starship. Nothing's going to stop us now. Starship got a bad rap in the 80s. I get that they weren't the Jefferson Starship that everybody knew and loved from the 70s. But this was a reinvention. But Nothing's Going to Stop Us Now was a ridiculously catchy pop ballad and i love the fact that bands like the starting line did punk covers of it the song is catchy and you know mannequin i saw back in the 80s i don't think i've seen it in 30 years i can't tell you if it held up in my mind it was funny way back in the day i just haven't seen it in so long but this song definitely holds up and coming out of bonnie tyler i feel like staying with the female 80s sound but it slows it down a little bit because we've had a lot of like upbeat songs so far. So I figured now is the time to kind of dip a little bit and give you a little bit more to pivot off from for the rest of this. But my track six is Starship. Nothing's going to stop us now from Mannequin. 
all I'm picturing right now is like the, 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 the motorcycle ride with Andrew McCarthy driving down with, and I can't remember the actress's name. Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall. Yes. Yes. Speaking of Canadians. Yes. Um, (laughs) You know what? I know exactly where I'm going to go with this one. I'm going to bring this into the nineties, but I, I like the happy vibe we got going here. So I'm going to stick with another movie that a, I'm surprised actually qualifies, but B happy, upbeat, catchy as hell with a tomatometer of 53% from the soundtrack of So I Married an Axe Murderer. I'm going to go with There She Goes from The Laws. This is kind of like almost like the theme song of the whole film. One of my favorite Mike Myers films of all time, just because it's just, and Nancy Travis absolutely loved her, loved her in, um, Destiny turns on the radio, loved her in this. I'm surprised she didn't do much more like, you know, later on, at least not that I noticed, but it's such a fun film. And if you're not sitting there watching it going, hid, move, then you're watching it wrong. <laughs> Love the song. I want to give a shout out back to episode 17 of my weekly mixtape because we had JT from The Uninvited on and we talk about the laws. There she goes in that episode such an underrated song obviously everyone automatically goes to at least in the u.s when they hear there she goes they automatically go to sixpence none the richer because they really brought that song to pop radio but the original version is absolutely fantastic so i married an axe murderer is a great movie and coming out of that i think i know exactly what i'm gonna do being you got it in the 90s and you're keeping this upbeat thing going i am gonna go to a movie That came out in 1995. It's one of my favorite 90s movies. And it's not That Thing You Do because That Thing You Do does not qualify. But this one is also centered around music. And it has a tomatometer score of 31 with an audience score of 83. So there's a huge swing in this. People love this movie. I know a lot of people love this movie. Gomez and I both guessed it on The Itch recently in celebration of Rex Manning Day because of the movie Empire Records. And sticking with that upbeat theme, I'm going to go with Coyote Shivers' Sugar High, which is the song that's performed at the end of the movie on top of Empire Records. Now, I will say this. I prefer the movie version from the soundtrack version because of the verse that Renee Zellweger sang in the movie. I actually prefer that version more. However, it's not released anywhere. So I am going with the original. The original's fun. Anyway, it keeps that indie vibe going, coming out of the laws. There she goes. So coyote shivers sugar high from empire records. I'm not going to lie. You scooped me on the movie. I had in my list till I hear it from you, from the Jim blossoms and a girl like you from Edwin Collins set aside for that one, but you scoop me on the movie. But coming out of the laws, I don't think either of those songs flow as naturally as Coyote Shivers does. Oh, very, very true. Very true. So now where do I go from here? Because I've only got one song left on this side. And again, I do like the upbeat vibe. So I'm, go- I'm going to stay upbeat a little bit harder, mind you. But I'm definitely going to stay upbeat as far as the movie tonality goes. So with a tomatometer of 52%. From the soundtrack of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, I ask you, 
how many people want to kick some ass (laughs) from stroke nine? Yes. Absolutely love this song. Love this movie. You totally scooped me on this one. I had a couple songs from that soundtrack. And obviously I had, because I got high from Afro man in my back pocket waiting, but it just kind of feels like with, with the upbeat vibe that we're going with. And let's be honest, like Jay and silent Bob strike back is one of the most fun road trippy romp type films that has come out in the last 20 years. I don't know why, you know, it's got a 52%. I mean, you've got cameos from, George Carlin, Carrie Fisher, the entire thing is so self-knowing and self-referential. You can't go wrong with a moment of it. Like to me, this is one of the best Kevin Smith films, period, from the cinematography to it, to the the action beats, to the writing, to, to the comedy, all the way through. Like it is front to back hilarious. Could not agree more. I had two songs from that soundtrack on my list, depending on where we went. I had Stroke Nine's Kick Some Ass. And even though it wasn't created for the film, the use of Run DMC's Tougher Than Leather, I had it on my list just in case there was some hip hop being thrown around because that use is absolutely fantastic. Love that film. And I know exactly what I'm going to close this side with because we've had a lot of fun songs on this side. And I want to give another shout out to Patreon playlister Cactus Pete because he chimed in with this one. And I agree wholeheartedly. And I'm going to bring us into the 2000s, 2004, with a tomatometer score of 47%, but an audience score of 75%, which means once again, big swing from the audience to the critics. Excuse I am going with Lustra's Scotty Doesn't Know. No, that's not Matt Damon singing, but just like at the top of the episode with track one, Josie and the Pussycats were lip syncing. We're ending the side with that same lip syncing vibe with Lustra's track Scotty Doesn't Know, which also made the My Weekly Mixtape episode 10, the ultimate 2000s punk rock playlist featuring Jay Sweet from the Toon Styles podcast. So if you want to hear more about Scotty Doesn't Know, you could check that one out. But closing out side A, Scotty Doesn't Know. Scotty Doesn't Know. Scotty Doesn't Know. <laughs> no, you, you scooped me on that one. I'm not going to lie. You definitely scooped me on that one. I I had Eurotrip for sure in my list. It's just a matter of, you know, where was the right time to put it? And, and it, it does. It's a gr- That's the perfect follow-up for Kick Some Ass. As soon as you said kick some ass, I was like, there's no other song that can go here. There's no other song. And that mixtapers concludes side A of our great songs from Bad Movies mixtape, which consists of Josie and the Pussycats, three small words from Josie and the Pussycats, Kenny Loggins, Nobody's Fool from Caddyshack 2, Robert Tepper's No Easy Way Out from Rocky Four, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band running through the fire from Eddie and the Cruisers 2, Eddie Lives, Bonnie Tyler's Holding Out for a Hero from Footloose, Starship's Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now from Mannequin, The Laws, There She Goes from So I Married an Axe Murderer, Coyote Shivers' Sugar High from Empire Records, Stroke Nine's Kick Some Ass from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, and Lustra's Scotty Doesn't Know from Eurotrip. Head over to myweeklymixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. 
Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Now, Jason, before we flip things over and kick off side B, besides It's Not That Bad, which you talked about way back on episode one, you also now host a brand new music podcast called There Can Only Be One. And no, it's not a Highlander-centric show. So why don't you tell <laughs> listeners more about this, what I personally consider to be an amazing podcast. Well, th again, thank you so much. And also thank you for coming on to the second episode of that show, going through the entire Tom Petty discography. So the thing with There Can Only Be One is each episode, we're going to take an artist, whether it be a, a singer, songwriter or a band, and we go through their entire studio discography, making our own kind of best of playlist. But there's rules. There are rules. A. We ignore live albums and we ignore greatest hits albums. B, it's NHL All-Star Game rules. Therefore, every studio album must be represented. And C, because I'm cruel and evil, you're only allowed to pick one song off of each album. So if you have an artist where there are 10 studio albums, you're picking 10 songs, one from each album. And I'm, I'm not going to lie, there have been some shows that have broken me. <laughs> we did an episode on Pink. And two of my favorite songs of hers of all time were on the same album and it hurt. It hurt to decide between one or the other. And it really boiled down to what song held up better on the studio version as opposed to the live version. But there are some deliberations that go on when we're making some of these picks. I mean, when you were on, you know, I'm sure there were some Tom Petty albums where I'm just like, you know, you're just like, uh, you have to choose between, you know, your, your, your kids, which one's your favorite. That was a ridiculously tough episode, but so much fun because you really have to go back and dive through and listen to these albums again to make sure you're truly choosing the right song to represent an album. So I absolutely love the format. I love the show so much. And I think it's a winning formula for people that love kind of this fantasy football form of music podcast, similar to what I'm host here at my weekly mixtape and what you're doing over there. So I'm really excited for the future of that one. And 
I have to be honest, going back to it's not that bad. This episode, dude, if nothing else comes from this episode, it's giving you a treasure trove of content to pull from for future episodes. Well, I'm just taking a look at just the movies that are on my list and realizing that we are very rapidly coming up, not only on our second anniversary, but our 100th episode. I'm pretty sure we have, you know, year three covered already with just the movies that are on this list. Unbelievable. And now to start off side B, I get to kick that off and I'm going to start off with something completely different to kind of wipe the slate clean on side B because every now and then when you flip a mixtape over, it could be a totally different vibe. And I want to kind of open up the door for some new ideas and kind of types of songs to flow through here. So I'm going to go back to 1998 and one of the mixtapers chimed in with this movie, which has a tomatometer score of 46% and in rare form here, an audience score of 37%. So this one, critics mostly didn't like it, but audiences really kind of didn't like it. I saw it in the theater. I wasn't a fan of the movie, but as soon as the movie was over, I immediately went to the store and bought the soundtrack because all the movie was, was a series of performances that made the soundtrack from 1998's Blues Brothers 2000. I am going with the Louisiana Gator Boys. How blue can you get? Now, who are the Louisiana Gator Boys? The Louisiana Gator Boys is Jeff Skunk Baxter, Gary U.S. Bonds, Eric Clapton, Clarence Clemens, Dak DeJanet, Bo Diddley, John Faddis, Isaac Hayes, Dr. John, Tommy Pipes McDonald, Charlie Musselwhite, Billy Preston, Lou Rawls, Joshua Redman, Paul Schaefer, Coco Taylor, Travis Tritt, Jimmy Vaughn, Grover Washington Jr., Willie Weeks, Steve Winwood, and the lead singer, B.B. King. When I saw this scene in the theater, my jaw dropped because of all of these musical legends on stage at once. If for nothing else, this movie needed to be made for that scene alone, because a lot of these artists aren't with us anymore. And seeing that performance was absolutely mind blowing. I am sure for the crew and the crowd that was in that room, that was lightning in a bottle magic. And for an otherwise meh movie, that scene made it worth owning the DVD for, worth owning the soundtrack for, and worth kicking off side B of our great songs from a bad movie mixtape, the Louisiana Gator Boys, How Blue Can You Get, from Blues Brothers 2000. Okay, so I know Justin Fortune mentioned Blues Brothers 2000, and I know I chimed in. Worst Super Bowl ever, aside from Elvis <laughs> Presto, aside from Elvis Presto. I have personally blocked that Super Bowl from my mind, even though ZZ Top was there. And even though James Brown was there at that Super Bowl, I have done my best to block that out of, out of my mind. But now, interestingly, where do we go from here? 
because you've got, you know, you've got a song with, uh, if I remember correctly, a bit of groove to it, a bit of, yep. bit of yeah, so I think I know where I'm going to go. And I have to give another tip of the hat to Playlist Wars and a previous special guest that you had. And it's also a tip of the hat, too. It's not that bad because we have covered this movie before. I'm talking about, with a 36% tomatometer, the Canadian film Dog Park. The song is called Things That I Used To Do from G-Love and Special Sauce. Nice. Now, if you've never seen the film, it's written and directed by Bruce McCullough from Kids in the Hall fame, but it's also got uh, Luke Wilson, not Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, Janine Garofalo, and Natasha Henstridge from Species fame. The song is just tons of fun. Like, just a great, fun, funk groove. It's, it's actually the song that opens up the entire film. And it's just one of those small little films that, you know, yes, went straight to video. Uh, sorry, went straight to VHS. Let me age myself here properly. <laughs> but it's a fun film if you're looking for something that's more of a an ennui-filmed romantic, not necessarily comedy, but definitely a lighter rom-com type thing. So it's not a great movie. It's not a horrible movie. It is better than the 36%, but G-Love and Special Sauce, things that I used to do. And there were actually a few songs that I had on my list from that album. I also had uh, Stranded from Plum off of that album set aside. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. but no, th- this is the time for G-Love and Special Sauce. All right. Wow, I love G-Love. It's a fantastic song choice. I have never seen the movie, so I really can't comment to that, but... We had blues, and then we had this groove of him. I don't have much that is going to complement that groove. So I'm going to pivot a little bit. But the tie I'm going to use is that super group formed for the movie that I used in my first song. And musically, this is going to be a record scratch, right turn, makes no sense. But I do want to talk about this because this is a very evenly maligned movie. The Tomatometer score is 31%. The audience score is 33%. So not a lot of fans of this movie. Didn't do very well. But when my wife and I were dating, we went to this theater up in New Hampshire that at the time was one of the first theaters that offered movie dining and drinks during the movie, meaning you would sit in these at the time Cadillac chairs that reclined and you had a table in between you and you ordered dinner and you had drinks and you watched the movie at the same time. So it was very much an experience and we wanted to try the theater out, but they only had one movie playing. So we went figuring how bad could it be? And that movie was 2002's the country bears Disney movie. You had Jim Henson's Creature Shop that worked on a lot of the parts. I knew it was based around music. She's a big Disney fan. So I figured, oh, you know what? There's going to be some good music in it. And yes, there was a lot of great music in it. The Bryant Setzer Trio was in that soundtrack. Some great country songs. But one of my favorite songwriters of all time, John Hyatt, commanded a lot of the songs on the soundtrack. And the last song, the, the big signature song for the movie, was one that when we were watching it, I was again counting the people on screen or at least counting the voices I understood along with because some of the bears had voices and I knew who the voices were. But then there were other actual cameos in this band. You had John Hyatt, 
Colin Hay from Men at Work, Don Henley from the Eagles, Bonnie Raitt, Alvin Chia from the gospel group Take Six, and E.G. Daly, which if that name sounds at all familiar, it's the voice of Tommy Pickles from Rugrats. And the song is by John Hyatt, and it's called Straight Through the Heart of Love. It starts off as a beautiful ballad and then transitions into kind of a kind of a rockin', upbeat, happy close to the movie. Was the movie great? No, but my wife and I still quote a couple of lines from it because at the time we were dating, you, you kind of remember these moments when you do things that are out of the ordinary. And going to see the Country Bears for us was out of the ordinary. We were still young and single at this theater, but there's a, a running joke throughout the whole movie where this one bear would keep telling people, it's a sign. And he was literally trying to put nail a sign into the ground. So for the last 20-something years, anytime we're looking for an exit, I will point to the exit and be like, it's a sign. And my wife will do the same for me. So anyway, John Hyatt, Straight Through the Heart of Love from the Country Bears. I'm going to go on a wild venture here and guess that not a lot of people have seen this one. But if you have, I'd love to hear what you thought of this song, not the movie, because I'm sure because of the audience score that not a lot of people like this one. I'm not going to lie. Never seen the movie, never heard the song, but if it's a sign, then it's a sign and you have to go with the sign. (laughs) Not a problem there. (laughs) I'm surprised I stumped you on a movie to be perfectly honest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's, I, I can't watch them all. Give me a few more years with it's not that bad, and I'm sure I'll get around to it. But, you know, I can't watch them all. But I think I know where I'm going to go with this one here. And and while it's not necessarily a hard left turn, it's a slight left turn. I get another film where it's a bit of a cult classic and critic-wise 41% tomatometer. But it's one of those films that came out and the soundtrack was the best part of the movie. And I guarantee you, if you grew up in the 90s, you had this soundtrack. And even if you were still buying CDs in the early 2000s, I guarantee you, you had this CD. So from the Tank Girl soundtrack, I'm going to go with Let's Do It from Joan Jett and Paul Westerberg. And I had, I'm not going to lie, I had a bunch of songs off of the CD ready to go. Like right under the list right there was Army of Me from Bjork off the Tank Girl soundtrack. This was, to me at least, one of the more iconic soundtracks of that era. And the fact that, you know, it's a comic book film, or at least based on a graphic novel, it looks like a comic book film. So it's, mm-hmm. it's faithful to what the original artwork was. And it's just a ton of fun. And the soundtrack definitely went along with it. I had actually Mockingbird Girl from The Magnificent Bastards, which was Scott Weiland's side project from that soundtrack on my list for tonight. So it's definitely, look, I knew throwing the country bears in there was just going to be this bomb that exploded the, (laughs) the list. But I like where you took it now because I know the perfect song to follow up that. And it's another movie from the 90s, and it's a cover song. And it's a former It's Not That Bad episode. So I get to check off a lot of boxes here. So I'm going to go back to It's Not That Bad, episode 68. And one of my favorite 90s comedies, PCU. And I'm going to go with the brilliant Elvis Costello cover by Mudhoney, 
pump it up. The movie had a 44 score on the tomatometer, and the audience score was 75% because a lot of us in the 90s loved this movie, and a lot of us in the 90s quote this movie because any concert I go to, if I see somebody wearing the shirt of the band we're at, I always will nudge my wife and say, this guy wore the shirt of the band we were going to go see. He's that guy. And to me, that movie is very quotable. I actually like Jeremy Piven more in PCU than I did in Entourage. I'll just say it. I love this movie. I love your episode on it. And to me, this song just sums up that movie. I know people are going to say, well, actually, no, George Clinton sums up that movie. Yes, I get it. But musically, I don't want to go with George Clinton here because coming out of Joan Jett and Paul Westerberg, Mud Honey musically fits the format a little bit more of this mixtape to kind of steer this, this ship that went from blues to blues and rap to country. And now we're kind of the, the wheels slowing down a little bit in the center here. So I think I think we're starting to kind of steer this ship. So that's what I'm going with. Mud Honey, pump it up from PCU. You know, every now and then when we're when we're researching for it's not that bad, you stumble across little tidbits about the movie where you sit there and go, this would have made it an entirely totally different film. And I completely agree with you that, you know, George Clinton, P Funk All Stars, Parliament Funkadelic, that's a phenomenal part of the film. But it wasn't supposed to be him originally when they were making the film they had nirvana written in to the script Mm -hmm. and they were going to like you know trash their instruments at the end of the party but then they couldn't afford nirvana but their second choice still wasn't george clinton their second choice that they were looking at was the goo goo dolls apparently to borrow a quote from another movie, Office Space, yeah, about that. <laughs> then they're like, well, I don't, I'm not quite sure if anyone's really going to know the Goo Goo Dolls at that point. So that's when they went with George Clinton and Parliament Funkadelic, and it was much more fun. But PCU oh, gosh, always yeah. remind me of this movie, Ski School. And Ski School, again, if you're looking for that kind of comedy, you have to go watch Ski School. It is infinitely, infinitely quotable, just like PCU is. Just remember, Gutter is a tool. Gutter is a tool. Gutter is a but tool. But you went with mud, honey. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to protest. I think I know. Okay. You went with mud, honey. You went with mud, honey. I know exactly where I'm going to go with this one. And again, it's another movie that we covered a long time ago with uh, a friend of mine, Simon Bennett, that came onto the show because he likes to cover the sports movies. So with a 14% tomatometer, we have to put Sylvester Stallone behind the driver's seat with his movie Driven, we're going to go with Breakdown by Tantric. Look, the movie is not a good film. I'm just going to... It was supposed to be like this massive three-hour-long film. The director, I don't know what was going on with him behind the scenes. Go back and listen to it. We, We explain everything. But the soundtrack is so much better than the movie deserved. But the other fun thing about Driven was that they filmed that in Toronto. And I remember walking downtown and they had parts of the road in downtown around University Avenue cut off so they could actually film the scenes there. So, you know, I mean, that happens when you're around Toronto. You're going to come across film locations because you can't walk there. But knowing that they were filming Driven at that time, it's like, okay, this is actually really, really cool. So that's my one little connection to Driven. I walked by a filming location at one point, but it's a killer song and much better than the movie actually deserved. 
absolutely love the song, absolutely love the band. Fortunate to be friends with the drummer from the band, John Laurie of Tantric, who has been on the show before. He was on episode nine, the ultimate greatest drum tracks playlist. And Tantric is a fantastic band. They're out touring right now. Definitely go check them out when they come by your town. They still bring it live. This song kicks all sorts of ass. This song, that opening acoustic riff is iconic, especially for the 2000s, because it's got that kind of post-grunge, new metal, but it was acoustic, so it almost had a Days of the New vibe with a little bit more heft. Absolutely loved the song. Never saw the movie, so can't speak to that at all. But coming out of that vibe of song, I have the perfect follow-up. I talked about this song in episode 20, the ultimate 2000s movie soundtrack. So literally the last episode of the show. So I back-to-back episodes, I'm talking about this song. And I think this song deserves back-to-back episode nods. Because also in 2001, the movie Rockstar came out. And like Josie and the Pussycats, Steel Dragons, We All Die Young is a fictitious band Lip sunk very well by Marky Mark Wahlberg, but performed brilliantly by Miljenko Matajevich of Steelheart, Zach Wilde of Black Label Society and Ozzy Osbourne fame on guitar, Jeff Pilsen of Dockin and Farner on bass, and Jason Bonham, son of John Bonham on drums. It's a cover of Steelheart's original from their 1996 album Wait, but it was re-recorded for the movie. The movie had a tomatometer of 53% and an audience score of 59%, so both fall below that threshold. I personally love the movie. I love that era of music, and I think they did a great job. Is it true to the Judas Priest story? Probably not. Is it fictionalized? Probably, but it was still a fun movie that was a great snapshot of that era, whether it's true or not. And Marky Mark pulled off the rock star vibe to the point where I was fooled, so... To do that deserves a nod two episodes in a row, which does not happen here very often. Steel Dragons, we all die young. Oh, that's going to be tough to follow up. That is really going to be tough (laughs) to follow up. Because I'm sitting here and I'm looking at my list like, okay, I could follow up with the era of the film. Maybe not. I could follow up with, you know, the rock starness of the band. Maybe. Maybe. And you know what? It's going to be a slight left turn, but we're, we're talking about a bigger-than-life rock personality on stage in Rockstar. And I'm now thinking of a bigger-than-life rock personality, lead singer, slight, small solo detour, and a movie that I will defend to the end. Because now it has not one, but two Oscar winners in its cast. And yet this film has a 15% tomatometer featuring Mm. 2023 Oscar winner for best actor and 2023 Oscar winner for best supporting actor. Kihi Kwan from the Encino man soundtrack. You're invited, (laughs) but your friend can't come by Vince Neil. 
I was flip-flopping between two songs off of this soundtrack. There was this one, and there was another one, which I'm uh, unfortunately I cannot find on Spotify, so you would have had to do a YouTube link, but that's Feed the Monkey from Infectious Grooves. But no, I think mm-hmm. if you're coming out of Rockstar, you have to go with a Rockstar, and that's Vince Neil. You're invited, but your friend can't come. I love that song. I love that soundtrack. I bought that soundtrack when we were on vacation in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. The year the movie came out, I got that and Offspring's Smash in the same day. And this one had You're Invited But Your Friend Can't Come by Vince Neil. It had Queens, Stone Cold Crazy. It had High C, Leave My Curl Alone, the hip-hop song. It had a cover of Mama Said Knock You Out. That soundtrack kicked all sorts of ass. And believe it or not, Hand to God... You're invited, but your friend can't come is on my list. So I love it. You've made it easier for me (laughs) to make a last pick. And I have one last song for the night. Coming out of Vince Neil, I have two directions I can go. I can go with a great song from a more serious movie or a great song from a very not serious movie. And I'm not sure which one to go with. Because Encino Man was certainly not a serious movie. But the song rocks. I am torn here. Because I want to end this musically on a a good level. So I am going to go with a drama. But with a song that is so absolutely perfect towards the end of a playlist. I'm going to go back to 1987. This movie had a tomatometer score of 50% and an audience score of 63%. Now, when people think about Simon and Garfunkel covers, they automatically go to Disturb's cover of The Sound of Silence. And while that's amazing too, the Bangles' Hazy Shade of Winter from Less Than Zero, to me, in my humble opinion, is the best Simon and Garfunkel cover ever with Disturbed, a very, very, very close second. And we talk about this song, Surprise, Surprise, on episode 18, the ultimate 80s movie soundtrack playlist with Gomez from Playlist Wars and now the Sleevy G Show. The other song, just for wonderment's sake, for those listening, I was debating going with Tenacious D's Kickapoo from Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny because of the fact that it had Meatloaf and Ronnie James Dio on it. But the song was a little more silly, obviously. And coming out of Vince Neil, which you're invited, but your friend can't come, was from a silly movie, but it was more of a serious song. I felt like the Bangles kind of followed that vibe a little bit because Vince Neil was bigger in the 80s and early 90s. So I felt like it wasn't as far of a swing of the pendulum to go all the way up to 2006 versus trickle back a couple of years to 1987. So that was my mindset. And who knows, you might have Kickapoo to close us out for the night. Who who, who knows? <laughs> I can definitely say I do not have Kickapoo <laughs> to close us out. <laughs> uh, although that being said, I will let you know that if you had gone with Kickapoo from Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny, I know what I would have followed that one up with. I probably would have followed that one up with um, off of the Mission Impossible 2 soundtrack, Have a Cigar, which was done by Foo Fighters and Brian May, because, of course, Dave Grohl yes. was in Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny. But since you right, went right. Hazy Shade of Winter, I have two ways I can go here. I can go with that 
same kind of, you know, slower, darker vibe kind of thing, or I can just, I can land the plane softly. And I think I'm going to land the plane softly here with a film that taken from a, a great literary work with a phenomenal cast and the soundtrack, again, another one of those soundtracks that I think was more known than the movie that the songs came from with a 39% tomatometer off of the great expectations soundtrack. I'm going to sign us off here with Chris Cornell and sun shower. Nice way to kind of, you know, land the plane softly here because, you know, a, that song is haunting. It's absolutely haunting that whole soundtrack. Like I played the crap out of that soundtrack. I had like just in this section alone, I had like three songs off of that soundtrack. There was that one siren from Tori Amos and uh, breakable by Fisher. Yeah. That's one of those CDs that was always a go-to for those slower chill mixtapes. And, you know, I've always been a fan of when Al, you know, when bands finish off an album with a bit of a slower song. Also, to your point on Simon and Garfunkel covers, don't forget Queensryche's cover of Scarborough Fair. Oh, yeah. Because that song was also really well done. Definitely. That's a great one. And I love, I think you stuck the landing on this one. I'm not going to lie. That's a fantastic way. Obviously, Chris Cornell gone way too soon. One of the greatest rock singers ever. Side B is very much a musical smorgasbord of songs, which is cool because not often does a playlist veer as much as it does, but still kind of makes sense. And I think we nailed that. But before I go through those songs, I want to throw something out there because I still have, God, at least two dozen songs here. Jason, I'm going to ask you a question and I'm going to answer the same one myself. Do you have any songs on your list that even because side B was kind of a little bit all over the place, but do you have any songs on your list that were so far left field? You just couldn't find a way to squeeze them in anywhere tonight, but you'd love to give a shout out to an honorable mention, if you will. Oh, I mean, we had set aside one film for our 50th episode. Because Carrie and I absolutely love the film. And we, we mentioned it on the show that it's kind of the litmus test to really see who our friends are. If you like the film, then you're our people. If you're not, <laughs> then we have to second question everything here. The film is Repo the Genetic Opera. It is actually a complete musical that somehow stars Paris Hilton as well. But it's also got Sarah Brightman in it. It's got Alexa Pena Vega. But the song that I had set aside was Lethal Assassin as sung by Anthony Stewart Head, who a lot of people will remember from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That yes, soundtrack, yes. like if you, if you love a rock opera, you're going to love the film. If you actually want to see Paris Hilton work well in a role, you're going to be pleasantly surprised because the role fits for her. And it's also got the late Paul Sorvino. So it's a phenomenal film. And go into it with an open mind. But also, just in case you went completely off the rails, I had Like a Cannonball from Menudo, from the Cannonball Run, on the bottom of my list, just <laughs> yes! in case, just in case we needed to throw a curveball. All right, I love it. I love Cannonball Run 1 and 2. But if you had picked Blues Brothers 2000 before me, 
I had the perfect follow-up because Dan Aykroyd is part of the Blues Brothers. However, in 1987's Dragnet, him and Tom Hanks did a hip-hop song, City of Crime, and it is definitely something to be heard. Maybe not, I don't know if you'd be a fan of it or not, but I certainly own the soundtrack CD to it. And that one was, I was hoping you were going to go with Blues Brothers, but when you didn't, I figured I'll take the Blues Brothers because there's really no way to squeeze in City of Crime otherwise. And the other one, fast forward a few years later, the only part that I was debating maybe fitting it in was the comic book angle of Tank Girl and pivoting back to 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie and bringing in partners in crime, Turtle Power, T-U-R-T-L-E Power. But again, I felt like that was shoehorning in hip-hop because we really didn't hit a lot of spaces where hip-hop would work in this in this mix other than the brilliant follow-up to the Louisiana Gator Boys with G-Love and Special Sauce. So those were my two honorable mentions of the night. And looking back at Side B, it is definitely, like I said, a musical smorgasbord of songs, starting off with the Louisiana Gator Boys, How Blue Can You Get from Blues Brothers 2000, G-Love and Special Sauce, Things That I Used to Do from Dog Park, John Hyatt, Straight Through the Heart of Love from The Country Bears, Joan Jett and Paul Westerberg, Let's Do It from Tank Girl, Mud Honey's Pump It Up from PCU, Tantric's Breakdown from Driven, Steel Dragons, We All Die Young from Rockstar, Vince Neal's You're Invited But Your Friend Can't Come from Encino Man, The Bangles' Hazy Shade of Winter from Less Than Zero, and Chris Cornell's Sun Shower from Great Expectations. Head over to MyWeeklyMixtape.com to hear all the songs we've discussed in this mix through the playlist embedded on the episode page. I'm going to throw a little curveball at you here. I'm going to ask you, Brian Colburn, looking at this mixtape that both of us have put together, if you could only pick one song off of this tape, what would it be? Oh, you're killing me, dude. You're killing me. (laughs) Well, I I like to dish out the pain that, that I have to go through every episode here. So you're welcome. Yeah, this is pain. Holy crap. Man, depending on my mood this evening, whew, I'm going to have to go with Stroke 9, kick some ass. <laughs> but now I'm throwing it right back at you. What are you, what are you doing for this one? Thank God I, I knew I was going to ask you this question, so I prepared for it here. <laughs> um, I, it's a toss-up and really depends on my, on my mood at the time. If I'm in a rocking out mood, it's going to be Josie and the Pussycats, three small words. But if I'm just feeling kind of fun and goofy, it would be G love and special sauce things that I used to do. But you're right. Like, ah, you see how tough thing, you know, there can only be one can be also, you mentioned dragnet and no, I definitely wouldn't have picked that rap song. I just wonder, (laughs) and I feel bad for Alexandra Paul. How many times people will go up to Alexandra Paul after that movie came out and go, oh, you're the virgin Connie Swale. Oh. <laughs> so wait, which one? You you threw out two songs right there. So there can only be one. Which one are you picking? Yep. Yeah. If there can only be one, it's Josie and the Pussycats, Three Small Words. Because A, you know, the band that they put together to make that that entire album minus the du jour tracks was killer. The entire soundtrack is fun, but that song... If if nothing else out of that movie sticks, it's that song. It's that good. The, the minute we talked about this episode, 
that was the first song on my list. It was always going to be the first song on my list. I freaking love that song. Well, we ended it the same way we kicked it off. Josie and the Pussycats, three small words. Jason, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Why don't you let people know where they can find It's Not That Bad and There Can Only Be One. Thank you again so much for this, Brian. So with Not That Bad, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Not That Bad Cast. And with There Can Only Be One, you can find us on Twitter at Only One Cast. Also, I'm now on Spudable as well. You can find us all. I'm just going to have one account. You know, that way I don't have to have two. Not That Bad Cast over there. But more importantly, you can find us all at our website, notthatbadcast.com. There you can see all of the It's Not That Bad episodes. You can see all of the There Can Only Be One episodes. And the occasional time that we have a special grading on a curve, you can find a page for that. As well, you can see a coming soon page to see all the movies that we are preparing for. Chime in. Make your comments. We want to hear from you. You know, the conversations on podcasts are always more fun when we hear from you, the listeners, about the movies you watched and liked or didn't like, about the songs that mean something to you. So don't ever be afraid to reach out, hit us up and let us know your thoughts. We want them to be part of our conversation. Well, Jason, as my first repeat guest, I can already say I look forward to having you back on the show for a third time. Thanks so much, man, for being a part of this and can't wait to continue to talk music with you in the future. Oh, you, you know, we're going to have some tough conversations. The next time you're on, there can only be one looking forward to it. And remember mixtapers, you can find me at my weekly mixtape on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also head to myweeklymixtape.com to check out the full catalog of my weekly mixtape episodes. If you want to support the show, please consider becoming a Patreon mixtaper at patreon.com forward slash my weekly mixtape. That's all for this week. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, enjoy the tunes. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.